Good morning. We're changing things up a little bit here this morning, doing the message earlier. We're going to talk about prayer, and then we're going to get a chance to respond and practice some prayer this morning. You know, you have to love the honesty of, of children. You know, they have not learned yet to filter what they say, you know, or be careful or pretend about anything. I mean, they're just raw and honest, whether they're talking to people or whether they're talking to God. A couple of examples of children's prayers. Uh, little Debbie, age seven, said, Dear God, please send a new baby for mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries too much. Just honest, just being honest. David, uh, no relation to anyone you might know. Dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father thank you? Angela says, Dear God, could you please give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any. And then Susan, age nine, Dear Lord, tomorrow is my birthday. Could you please put a rainbow in the sky? Isn't that great? You know, just honesty, just from the heart. I mean, that's, that's great communication right there, is when you can just be honest with who you're talking to. The problem with so many of us is we, we grow up and we start to put on masks. And we start to filter what we say and we start to pretend. And even in our prayer time, instead of just speaking from our heart... We, we start to filter it in all these different ways, and we really start to perform. I mean, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to impress maybe people who are listening to us pray, or we're trying to impress God who we're talking to. We're trying to impress him instead of just, just being honest. And so this morning, I want to talk to some of us who may be performing our prayers instead of just sharing our, our prayers. Um, some of you may experience this if you're if you're in one of our life groups here at Grace Point. You know, you, you sit around in a circle, you get together with people, and then at the end, oftentimes of the evening, you you pray together. You share prayer requests and you pray for each other. And it's easy in those settings to in, instead of just sharing from your heart, just talking to God. When when you have somebody else listening, there's something that happens, and I know because I do this a lot. You're, you're praying and other people are listening, it's easy not to think so much about the person you're talking to, the one you're talking to, as much as thinking about the people who are in the room listening to you. I, I remember the first time that I learned to pray kind of in public around other people. I was in college at the University of Maryland. I was starting to get to know this group of Christians, and, and we were doing life together. And on Sunday evenings, we would meet We'd sing, we'd pray, we'd have communion together, but we would, we would pray in these groups. And so for the longest time, I would just sit and I would just listen to these other people's prayers and I'd think, wow, they're, they're like such good prayers. I mean, like they have such an amazing connection with God. And I, I remember just like, I would start sweating and thinking like, I hope nobody makes me pray. And, and nobody ever did. And so over the course of weeks, I would think, well, I guess I should pray out loud too, but I, I don't know what to say. Like, my prayer's not going to sound as good as so-and-so. I mean, they're like quoting scripture. I mean, they're like, they just sound so holy. And I'm like, man, I, I'm just afraid. I'm going to say something. And then we're all going to like open our eyes, and they're all just going to stare at me like I'm the biggest like dork, you know, like this guy doesn't even know what he's doing. I mean, I, it was like this terror. Because I was focused on what the people around me were going to think of me instead of thinking about the one that I was talking to. 
So, and performing doesn't just happen even in public when other people are listening to us. Performing our prayers can happen in private. Because sometimes we, we learn a prayer, we memorize a prayer, and we just kind of say that over and over and over again. We're really just performing. Instead of sharing our heart, we're really just performing over and over again. And so the question I want to answer this morning and, and grapple with is, how, how do we get away from performing our prayers and really connect with the God who wants to have a relationship with us? If you would take a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6, we're, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this. Matthew chapter 6, uh, if you want to use one of those Bibles there at your seat, if you don't have one with you, there's white Bibles, it's on page 899, and if you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take that with you. We're in a series called The Secret Life, and and what we're doing is we're talking about how to get away from trying to impress people around us and try to to live our lives and do the things we do for an audience of one. Last week, we talked about giving and and how do we make sure that what's done is for an audience of of one. Jesus started with this general principle in in verse 1 there in Matthew chapter 6. He started with this warning, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So last week we talked about giving and generosity done for the good of the other person and to connect with our Heavenly Father, not to impress the people around us. Today, Jesus is going to tackle the issue of prayer. And so as we go down to verse 5, Jesus says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus says, be careful. Don't do your praying so that the people around you will hear you. Don't be like the hypocrites whose hands and hearts are out of sync. On the outside, it looks like they're doing the right thing. It looks like they're doing a a righteous act on the outside. But inside, their hearts are really disconnected from from what they're doing. And Jesus says, if you're trying to impress other people, you may succeed at that. He said, if, you know, they they may see you, if, if other people see you, he says, truly I say to you, they've received their reward. You know, if, if you want to impress other people, you may succeed at that, but that's all you're going to get out of it. You're not really connecting with God in, in prayer. So he says, the solution... The solution is to cultivate your secret life. So in verse 6, he says, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus says one of the ways that we can keep from, from trying to impress other people and trying to perform our prayers is to go into our room. Location is important. He says, go into your room and shut the door. So when this talks about room in, in the Greek, it's talking about an 
inner room. It's talking about a room in your house that doesn't have any windows. So go into that room like a closet. You know, most of our closets don't have windows. So we go in, we close the door, and nobody can see us. Interesting is if you think about the first century when Jesus is talking to the people who are listening here, most people would not have had that kind of a room in their house because they're very, they're very poor, their houses are very tiny, and so just a simple little house with some windows. And so most people wouldn't have even had that room, but Jesus is saying that's the concept, that's the idea, is to get alone, remove the distraction. I don't know about you, but prayer is one of those things, actually most everything in my life, I can easily get distracted. I can start in with the best of intentions, and then I see something over here, and it's like, squirrel, you know, and I'm just like, suddenly, I, my focus is, is over there, and, and I'm no longer engaged with what I'm doing. So Jesus says, go into a quiet place, go into a secret place, be by yourself. Sometimes this takes some work. So... My in-laws, uh, every few years we go to spend Christmas with my in-laws, and they live in Texas. They have a, a rancher with three bedrooms, and there are eight of us. In years past, there have been eight of us before Sherry's dad passed. And so there's eight of us, and we're all trying to figure out where are we going to sleep, where are we going to be you know, overnight. They don't have a basement, and so there's no place to kind of go in, in that part of Texas. And so I'm trying to figure out, and I get up earlier than most everybody else in the house, so I'm trying to figure out where am I going to go so that I can be alone with my father in the morning. So for a number of years, there was a closet right in the middle of the house, no windows, and that's where I would go. That was when our kids were really small and they didn't mind sharing a room. But then they got older and now they need their space. And so now one of them is in the closet sleeping in there so I can't use that room anymore. So what I discovered in years recently is I go into the laundry room because nobody sleeps in the laundry room. So I can go in there and I can close the door and I can have my time and then other people are getting up and they're making coffee and they're moving around out there but I still have my quiet time because Jesus says find a space. Location is important. You can pray anywhere right? You can pray in a group of people. You can pray while you're driving. Please don't close your eyes. You can pray anywhere, but Jesus says, remove the distractions and get alone. It's important to have time to remove distractions. So location is important. And then he says, again, still in verse six, go into your room, shut the door and pray what? to your father. Pray to your father. Remember who it is you're talking to. Prayer is for God's ears. Okay, Prayer is not for anybody else's ears who might be listening. Prayer is not just to kind of satisfy some to-do list that we feel like we need to get done. Prayer is for God's ears. So get into your room, go into secret, and pray to your father. So prayer is for God's ears, and we need to remember that who we're talking to is not just this distant God, though. Jesus says, it's your Father. It's your Father. We talked about this if you were here last week, how Jesus introduced this radical idea that was so different in his day and is so different to so many people in our day that God is not this distant deity somewhere who just spoke everything into existence and then just backed off and said, good luck, I hope it all turns out well. 
God wants to be close to us, connected to us. Jesus introduced this idea of saying God is not just like a father. He is your father. He wants to be that close to you. There's something really cool that happens from verse 5 to 6 that you can't see in the English. Jesus goes from a plural you. He says, when you all pray. In Texas, they would say, when you all pray. Um, Here, they would say, when yous pray. But in verse 6, he says, when you singular pray. When you, as an individual, pray, go into your room alone, shut the door, pray to your singular Father who is in heaven. That's the kind of connection, that's the kind of intimacy God wants to have with us, that he is our Father. So, we go into our quiet place, we're alone, and we communicate with God much like we would communicate with any other person, any other human being that we are building a relationship with. Sometimes we talk. Sometimes we listen. Sometimes we voice what's on our heart. Sometimes we stop and we're quiet. Sometimes we open our Bible. We let God speak to us through the Scriptures, through what He has already said. Sometimes we're just silent. That's one of the most special part of the time that I spend with God each morning is I I set my timer every morning. I'll set it for five minutes so that I don't have to keep glancing at my watch. And I'm just silent. I I read my Bible first, let God talk to me, and then I'm just like, okay, God, what do you want to say to me today? What do I need to hear from you for this day ahead? I can't do that in a room where people are bustling around and the TV's blaring or in my car driving to work. I, I have to be alone, quiet. God, what do you want to say to me today? Not every day. Uh, some days it's just quiet and I just reflect a little bit. Maybe something will come to mind from something I read. But some days there's a, there's a strong impression of something that I need for that day. Or maybe something I need to clear up what happened the day before. It's just good to sit in silence. Isaiah says, in quietness and trust is your strength. That's where I get strength for my day, in that quiet place, in that room alone. So, Jesus says, go alone, be quiet. That's one way to fight the performance anxiety of trying to perform our prayers in public But we can also go into that quiet room, we can get that part right, and we can still perform our prayers in private. See what Jesus goes on to say in verse 7. It says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus says, don't heap up empty phrases. The, the Greek word there is babbling. Don't just babble. Okay, sometimes we look at other religions, maybe Eastern religions, they have mantras that they repeat. And we may look at that and say, they're, they're babbling. And, and to us, they, they are. And they're, they're saying, you know, they're, they're trying to grab the attention of whatever deity they're praying to. And Jesus says, you, you don't have to do that. That's not necessary. You don't have to try to get God's attention. He is ready to listen to you. 
So he said, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. So, but we don't even need to just look at Eastern religions who have mantras. We can do the same thing because we can memorize a prayer that may have great content, but we may say it over and over and over again so many times that it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. Jesus said, what, what did he say? Verse 7, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases. If you're not thinking about what you're saying, if the words that are coming out of your mouth or, or resounding in your mind are not reflecting your heart, then they're empty phrases and, and they don't have any meaning. See, we, we can do this. I, I did this. I remember when I was growing up and, and a lot of times my parents would ask me to pray before we'd eat. It was always the same thing every day. It was just, dear Lord, thanks for the day. Thanks for this food, and pray it would be good, and amen. You know, it's just kind of the same thing over and over again. Imagine what it would be like if, if I did that with my wife, okay? So I come home at the end of the day. I'm wanting to connect with my wife, and so I, I just look at her and say, dear, dear Sherry, thank you for the wonderful meal you made. Please continue to bless me and be near me, and bless the kids too, and Aunt Mabel. That's all for now. And I just say that every day. Thank you for the wonderful meal you made. Please continue to bless me, be near me, bless the kids. I mean, if I just say that over and over again, there's, there's no heart. I mean, we're not going to have much of a relationship. If that's the extent of our communication, she, she wants to hear my heart. She wants to hear, like, true gratitude for what she's done. She wants to hear what's on my mind. God wants to hear what's on your mind. And so Jesus, it's not that model prayers are wrong. It's not that memorizing a prayer is wrong. Because Jesus is going to go on now and he's going to give us kind of the ultimate model prayer. But the, the question we need to ask ourselves is, when we say these words, do we mean what we're saying? So Jesus goes on and gives us this, this really powerful outline for a prayer. He, he says, verse 9, pray then like this. And many of us are going to be familiar with this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Many of us are familiar. Jesus didn't say, pray this. He said, pray like this. And there's this really powerful outline here that we're going to talk about. He, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. This is a, this is a powerful outline for our prayers. Even if you don't say these exact words all the time, although these words are fantastic, but to get the essence of what Jesus is saying, he, he starts by saying we, we need to acknowledge his supremacy so in verse 9, he's, we, we acknowledge who God is and that he is the ultimate, he is the supreme one, our Father in heaven. So Jesus has been telling us to address God as our Father because he's close to us. He wants intimacy and closeness with us. But not only is he our Father, which is close, but he's our Father in heaven. He is, he is also transcendent. He is also huge and beyond anything that we can imagine. And he says, hallowed be your name, reverenced, 
holy, sanctified, set apart. In my mind, God, nobody else should be in the, at the same level as you. You should be much higher than anybody else I look at in my life. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we, we are surrendering ourselves to his supremacy. God, you're the mighty one, you're the ultimate one, and I surrender myself, I place myself under your authority. To me, it's a little unfortunate how this has gotten translated, and we, we keep this in, because we're so familiar with this prayer, we keep translating it this way. But that last line there, on earth that is in heaven, it actually says in the Greek, as in heaven, so on earth. So it starts with what's going on in heaven, and that God's will is being carried out, obeyed perfectly. The, the angels in heaven are listening to him and at his beck and call. As it is in heaven, so we would love to see it, God, on earth. May it be so on earth, starting with me. So we acknowledge his supremacy first. Then we go on and we acknowledge our dependency. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. So God, we acknowledge that Everything we need, everything I need, God, comes from you. Its source is in you. And if we think that we're the ones working for our money that buys our daily bread, the energy that you have, the health that you have, the brains that you have or don't have to do your work, all of that is sourced in God. God we come to you dependent on you. If you cut off the flow, if you cut off the stream of blessing, then we are without hope. So give us today our daily bread. Then we acknowledge our culpability in verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We acknowledge that we have fallen short of God's standard, God's perfection, and what he asks us to do we acknowledge that we're culpable. We're, I'm responsible for making wrong choices that separate me from God. And God, I need your forgiveness and I need to offer forgiveness to others. And finally, our vulnerability in verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but, delete, but deliver us from evil. Or it could be translated, deliver us from the evil one. We are, we are vulnerable, we are small, we are tiny, we are weak when up against the power of our spiritual enemy, the devil. And so we come to God and say, God, deliver us from the evil one. This is an outline that, we, that you and I can use to say, this, this is what's on God's heart. If we're expressing ourselves to God, may, maybe you're new to faith and you don't know what to say when you're praying. This is a great outline to work from. And just kind of talk your way through this. We're going to do this in a few minutes just as a group together just to, to practice. Or maybe you've been walking with God for a long time and you just need a refresher. This is a great outline to walk through and to speak from your heart. As many of us learned this prayer, we learned a final line that says, For yours is the kingdom the power, the glory forever and ever. That line doesn't appear in many English translations. The reason, just as kind of a side note, the reason that doesn't appear in many English translations is because it didn't appear in many Greek translations originally. It was added later and kind of to kind of conclude the prayer. It's still good stuff. 
So keep using that line. You don't have to stop using that line. I just want you to know why it's not showing up in this Bible or many of your other versions that you might look at. It's still a biblical phrase. It's still, he, his is the power, the glory forever and ever. So you can keep using that line. So Jesus teaches us how not to perform prayer. And then he comes back to forgiveness in verse 14. As we wrap up here, he, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's kind of interesting that Jesus comes back to this. It's a little bit repetitive because he already talked about forgiveness in verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Why would he come back to forgiveness? Well, probably because... We're talking about prayer. prayer. Prayer is all about connection with a person. And there's nothing that interrupts connection with a person than unforgiven sin, than unforgiveness. There's nothing that interrupts the connection that we have with another human being or with God than if there's something that we have done to offend someone and we have not asked for forgiveness for that yet. So Jesus comes back and says, this is so crucial. We need to understand this. This is a whole nother message, but we're touching on it this morning. This is so crucial, he says, that if you don't forgive the people around you, God will not forgive you. Now, now let's be clear about something here. Jesus is not talking about our salvation. Okay, He's not talking about our relationship with God in the sense of coming into a relationship with God. You and I are born into this world without a relationship with God. The way we come into a relationship with God is recognizing that we have fallen short of God's standard, that he is perfect and we are far from perfect. Recognizing that there's a sin problem and a gap. And recognizing that Jesus paid the price for us to close that gap and saying, Jesus, I need your blood to wash over me, make me clean, make me new, give me a new life, to be born again. That, that is how we come into relationship with God. From that point on, though, we continue to fall short of God's standards, so we need to continue to ask forgiveness. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's kind of like this. There are times where I need my wife's forgiveness. There are times where I do something to offend her and deeply hurt her. I'm still married to her when that happens, but there's a gap that needs to be closed by me asking her for forgiveness. That's what Jesus is talking about here in these final verses, the forgiveness that we need. When we come into relationship through Christ, we still have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, but we need him to close that gap when we continue to sin. We need to ask his forgiveness and have that washed away so that we can reconnect with him. Prayer is for God's ears and from your heart. N.T. Wright says this about prayer. I've often heard people saying with a sneer, prayer doesn't go beyond the ceiling, you know. But the point of prayer, at least the way Jesus saw it, is that it doesn't have to. Your father, he says, is there in the secret place with you. He sees and knows your deepest thoughts and hopes and fears. He hears the words you say 
he hears too the things you can't put into words but want to lay before him anyway. My assignment for you this week is to, to get alone, find your room, get alone with your father and share your heart with him, not performing, but connecting with him. And I have to say this, this is a little off topic, but I have to say this because we're talking about prayer. We had a fantastic public prayer time here Monday night, praying the night before our election. And I just want to remind us, don't, don't stop praying for our country. We need to we need to pray now more than ever because we see the, the division. We see what's happening uh, as people are responding to the election. Let's keep praying for our, our country. But how, whatever you pray for, however you come to God, be connecting with your Father by sharing your heart. Prayer is for God's ears from our heart. We have an opportunity to practice that now. David Holmes is one of our elders, and Daryl and the, the worship team are going to come. And what we're going to do now, David will explain, but we're, we're going to have an opportunity just to practice what we've been talking about. And, and what we do, even though we're doing this in a room here together, just want to remind us to, to do and, and pray and connect with God, our Father, from our hearts. David. Jesus saw the, Jesus' disciples saw the importance that uh, he placed of prayer in his life. And they responded by asking him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he gave them the same model which uh, Pastor Dave has been ministering the fo the, uh, from this, this morning. Um, we, want, we now want to take that opportunity uh, to practice uh, what we've uh, been taught and just to pray from our hearts uh, to our Heavenly Father in an intimate and heartfelt way. Um, the pro the, the procedure that will follow is that uh, I will read and pray using Jesus' model, uh, breaking it into the four sections as outlined in Pastor Dave's sermon. You will then have the opportunity to pray quietly where you are in your seats, uh, which will then follow by a song of praise, and then we'll repeat that same process as we go into each section. So let us continue in our worship of God through prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we come into your presence, we realize we do so as your children. What joy there is in knowing that you have gifted us the spirit of adoption, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father, our heavenly Daddy, and that you delight as we come to receive your embrace. Our heart's desire is to honor you by saying, hallowed be your name. Let your name alone receive all the glory, the blessing, and the power. May we exalt the name of the Lord our God, for you alone are worthy. Let all that is within us praise the Lord. Your Son taught us to pray, your kingdom come. And to this end we continue to do so, that souls will be won through the gospel, demonstrating something of your kingdom here and now, through goodness, honesty, and love for one another but also continuing to look to the fulfillment of that day when Jesus will return again to escort us into your eternal kingdom. What a glorious day that will be. Until that day, we plead that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We often consider that we know best in the decisions that we have to make 
And do not consult with you, the all-knowing and all-seeing God, who knows the beginning from the end. Oh, our foolish pride so blinds us. Lord, you have declared, your thoughts are not our thoughts, and neither are your ways our ways. Help us to seek your face, that we may see, and that we may say with a humble heart, let your, be, let your will be done in our life, the life of our church, the life of our nation, and throughout your creation, that you may be glorified. Let us take this opportunity now to worship God for who he is, praying quietly in your seats, acknowledging his supremacy, and after a brief prayer, period of prayer, we will continue in our worship by honoring the Lord through our tithes and offering for the work of his kingdom. And we will do this while singing praise to his name and for his glory. Jesus taught us daily to request, give us this day our daily bread. Father in heaven, every day we embrace many common graces and provisions, like the food on our tables or our continued health, or even the freedom and the liberty we enjoy in this land with little or no thought to who provides these. But when we pause and consider just for a moment, we soon realize that great is your faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies we see, causing us again to say, great is your faithfulness. May you grant unto us thankful hearts and not selfish ones. Let us now take an opportunity and acknowledge our dependency on God for all our provisions, which come from his good hand. Jesus knows our hearts and instructs us to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have, for, have forgiven our debtors. As we ponder your great daily provisions, may we never forget each day your greatest provision of love, the gift of your son, Jesus he who laid down his life and fulfilled the law's demands that we might know our past, present, and future sins forgiven through the shedding of his blood on the cross at Calvary. May we keep short accounts with you, Lord, and daily confess our sins, seeking your forgiveness. But Lord, as we have been forgiven much through your great love and generosity, help us to love abundantly in the forgiveness of others who have grieved us. This is so difficult for us, but by your grace, let us forgive and keep no record of the wrong. Let us acknowledge our culpability, seeking God's forgiveness for our sin and grace to forgive others now. Jesus teaches us through prayer how weak we are by praying and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Gracious Father, we are weak and frail and vulnerable to the temptations and attacks of the enemy. We need to be in your strength and be like your servant David who prayed, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. May you cause us to flee from the temptations the devil puts before us, not falling into sinful ways, and by placing our trust in you, our mighty sovereign shield of protection, who extinguishes the fiery darts of our enemy. Let us take the opportunity now and acknowledge our vulnerability 
and our dependency of the Lord to deliver us from temptation and evil. Let us pray. Thanks to you guys for leading us through that this morning. Um, don't let the practice end here. Take it with you this week. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling disconnected from God and you would like the opportunity to pray with someone, have someone pray over you. We have a prayer team that's going to be available down here, down front as everyone else is leaving. Please feel free to come up. Scripture exhorts us to pray without ceasing. So pray when you're with other people, pray with your alone, pray when you're busy, pray when things are quiet. But I, I really believe from what Jesus has taught us here this morning that all of our prayers in all of our settings are going to be the richest as we get alone and spend time cultivating our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Have a great week following Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday.